the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth. It was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on AM 1420, The Answer. It is a Wednesday, the 29th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. We've got a, an important show for you this morning. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're going to stay on Nashville. We're going to stay on all of the fallout from that, the ongoing grief and uh, mourning, uh, obviously, of the uh, victims in that terrible... A lot of other points that we need to make on this, but we need a timeout now. It's 926. We're going to take a break and come back on Always Right Radio. I 
don't know what's going on, but it is 936, Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer, good Tuesday or uh, Wednesday morning to you. Appreciate you being here. So we've had a little change of plans in uh, the order of our guest this morning. So uh, we're going to dive right in with the heaviest hitter that we've got this morning. He is the former HUD secretary. He is an America First conservative. He is uh, a retired neurosurgeon, former presidential candidate as well. And he is going to be the keynote speaker at the premier Lincoln Day dinner in the state of Ohio on April 8th in Medina. He is Dr. Ben Carson, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Carson, it's been a little bit since I've had you on the program here in Cleveland. Welcome back. It's good to talk to you, sir. How are you? Well, thank you. It's good to be with you again. Doing so. Well. So uh, I really appreciate the time. We're going to talk about Lincoln Day in a moment, talk about what the agenda is going to be there, what you're going to be talking about. But I'm going to start, with, if I can, with uh, you know a, a very uh, simple question. Uh, you ran in 2016. Uh, you became uh, an integral part of President Trump's administration as the HUD secretary. He is running for re-election again. Are there any plans for a run again in your future, Dr. Carson? Well, let me put it this way. Um, I will always do what the Lord wants me to do, but I hope that's not it. <laughs> okay, I think I can. <laughs> I think I can draw from that what what you intended, Doctor Carson. Okay, um, and, and you know what? I'm glad you at least have the willingness. If that is what the call uh, sounds like, that you'll be willing to do that, Doctor Carson. Um, I'm going to start uh, with some news of the day because this is quite obviously, uh, uh, you know, something impactful of all of us. I know what a, what a man of deep faith that you are. Uh, there was an attack on a Christian school uh, two days ago. It was a horrific attack, obviously, and um, there, there seems to be some sort of a, a belief that the Christian community uh, is not the victims in this situation because the Christian community is uh, not doing enough to support um, the trans community, that the Christian community, in fact, is responsible for hatred directed at the trans community. And that's why when a trans community member attacks a Christian school, well, we should feel sympathy for the shooters uh, and uh, and not so much for the Christian community that is being targeted here. That sounds like an insane movie script that no one would buy, but that's reality right now. Dr. Carson, can you give me your impression of what happened and what the aftermath it looks like from where you sit? Well, apparently uh, this individual had cased one of the other Christian schools and found the security there to be uh, too intimidating and, and therefore came to this one. So it seemed like it was directed against Christian schools. Now, as far as I know, unless something's changed, and I don't think it has for thousands of years, you know, Christians love everybody. They don't necessarily love everything that everybody does, mm -hmm. but we're admonished by Christ to love your neighbor, not to hate your neighbor, not to cancel your neighbor. And uh, so I think that is an inappropriate accusation that Christians are anti-LGBT uh, it doesn't make any sense. But obviously people are looking for propaganda excuses because that's what's going on in our society today. Uh, everything is being used to divide the population. And, uh, you know, when we're divided, we're not strong, and we begin to deteriorate, and that's what's happening. People, our enemies, know that as a united nation, we are incredibly strong. We're virtually invincible to them. But if they can tear us into fragments and separate us, uh, they can potentially uh, change the direction of the world. 
You know what, Dr. Carson, uh, that's that's so very well said um, and, and articulated. Um, we don't hate anybody, but what we do is we protect people, and in particular the most defenseless among us, which are our children. Um, and that is the concern here. You know, for years and years and years and years, they have been doing, you know, what I guess you might call cross-dressing or trans uh, drag shows in adult establishments in front of adult audiences, and no one said a thing. We are a free country, and people can do things that they want, but when they start bringing that very same type of performance to elementary schools and to libraries and calling them family-friendly cross-dressing strip-type drag shows, that's the problem. This is not about being anti-trans, but it is about being pro-protection of children, isn't it? You're exactly right, because, you know, we all know that children are very impressionable and suggestible. And that makes them incredibly vulnerable, and that's the reason that they have parents, and they have people who protect them from predatory influences. And here we are just sacrificing them. So take our kids and do whatever you want with them, and expose them to everything, and we don't care. I mean, it it really is quite absurd, and it's a, a loss of common sense. Common sense tells you uh, that you don't take something that is very adult uh, in content and give that to the little children. That's that's why things are rated, you know, PG versus, you know, restricted. Dr. Carson, um, one more question on this trans element of this, and then I wanted to ask you a question about prayer and about faith. Um, again, because I know how important that is to you. You express it daily. Um, how did we get to this strange place in our culture? Forget about the shooting situation, just this this massive movement. There used to be you know, less than 1% of the population was identifying as trans or suffering from some sort of gender dysphoria, which is a recognized psychological disorder. Um, but now it is so much more than that. Now you've got 20, 25, 30% of high schools, uh, of students in various high schools all going to, uh, start, start hormone treatments. They're all gonna change their genders. This is very clearly not a case of exclusively anyway, psychological disorders. There's a social contagion that has somehow found its way into our culture that is leading these kids to do these things because it's trendy, because it's popular, because it's, uh, you know, it makes you stand out. It makes you uh, get attention. Um, is there any way out of that, Dr. Carson? Uh, I think there's uh, a way out of it. It's called courage. The reason that, that they're able to, you know, take these things that are way outside the norm and normalize them is because people aren't willing to speak up. Uh, they don't want, you know, to be ostracized or called a nasty name. And the fact of the matter is you cannot be the land of the free if you're not the home of the brave. If you're not willing to stand up for what you believe in, it's going to go away. It always has, and it always will. So that's the way out of it. We we have to be able to stand up and face these people and uh, confront them. Make them explain why this is good for kids and what the natural outcome of that is. Make them explain why we have so many uh, children 
uh, with severe depression and an increase in suicide attempts. You know, don't just let them off the hook. No, I uh, completely agree. That's a great thing to make them answer. And, uh, of course, there's, those questions aren't being asked in enough circles, I think, to demand that. Uh, those who do ask no, those questions no, they, are marginalized. They, they don't answer the questions. They just call you names. Bingo. That's what I meant by marginalized. Yeah, or canceled, even worse. We're talking with Dr. Ben Carson, who is the former HUD secretary under President Trump, America First Conservative. He will be the keynote speaker at the Lincoln Day Dinner. Uh, I said in Medina. It's Medina County's Lincoln Day Dinner. It's in Wadsworth at the Galaxy, April 8th, 5.30 p.m., if you want to hear Dr. Carson speak, and trust me when I tell you, because I have, you do want to hear Dr. Carson speak. Get your tickets now at medinagop.org, medinagop.org. So, Dr. Carson, following up on that part of the discussion, I just want to talk about the attacks. I mean, there's a headline uh, right now um, that that talks about the mockery of prayer, uh, the subtle smears against Christianity in their coverage of the Nashville massacre. And I think this goes beyond just Nashville. Anytime there's a tragic occurrence, you know, a mass shooting, a school shooting, a church shooting, or any of these types of things, and Christians, off, and pe- people of faith, period, offer their prayers, their condolences, their thoughts, their support, and whatever they, they can for the grieving in the morning, um, we get mocked and said, to hell with your prayers we need uh gun laws they say that prayers are poor substitutes for taking guns out of people's hands and your prayers obviously don't do any good because this keeps happening dr carson how do you respond to that Uh, i respond to them with logic and common sense and facts and if you go through world history and you look for societies that have become totalitarian one of the things that always happens is they disarm the populace. So, you know, we have to integrate that knowledge uh, with the knowledge of gun safety. So, you know, gun safety doesn't mean not having any guns. It means, you know, having a safe program and teaching people the right thing. But, you know, in, in this case, and in many of these massive shooting cases, not really about guns it's about people's mental status it's about the fact that we stop teaching people to love your neighbor it's about the fact that we've taught people that everything is about self and how i feel and uh you know those are things that are antithetical to our judeo-christian roots and values and we need to get back to them this country needs a revival you know our founding document talks about certain unalienable rights given to us by our creator, not given to us by our government, but by our creator. And, uh, you know, this was the beacon of hope for so many people. You know, one of the big questions I could ask when I talk to people in other countries now is, what happened to you guys? What's going on over there? Uh, everybody sees it. I mean, we, and it's accelerated dramatically in the last couple of years. And we can't long sustain this. And it's going to be up to us as individuals. Everybody has a sphere of influence. What are you going to do in your sphere? Are you just going to sit there in the corner looking at your shoes and hope nobody calls you a nasty name? Or are you going to stand up for what you believe in? Dr. Carson, you... um. 
you, you I don't want to say you rose to national prominence in uh, in 2013 at that national prayer breakfast, but uh, it was when a lot of people first learned your name. Those who did not know about uh, you know the separation of the conjoined uh, twins at the at the at the brain and so forth, but you you got a lot of attention back then for slamming political correctness. You talked about Merry Christmas and being able to say that. You said we've got to get over this sensitivity, uh, and people have to be able to say what they really believe um, without fear of being persecuted. In, in particular, people are saying things you know that are important to their faith. That was 2013. That's 10 years ago. Uh, I, I, I hate to say this, but I think the opposite has happened, hasn't it? When you are a person of faith and you articulate yeah. that, you are more open to ridicule now and condemnation than you were 10 years ago. Well, uh, you, you may remember in that speech I said, if we don't get political correctness under control, it's going to become a monster and it's going to destroy our freedoms. That's what we're saying because, you know, we just kind of capitulated and said, oh, okay, well, whatever you guys say. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You, 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 you've got to have a defense, and you have to be willing to stand up. And, you know, Christ said it himself. He says, if, if you follow me, you do what I do, they're going to treat you like they treated me. doesn't mean yeah. you, you just capitulate, though. Yeah, and you were spot on. You were spot on. It is a monster right now, 10 years later, and it is something we cannot surrender to. We have to cannot capitulate. As you say, we need to continue uh, the fight and, in fact, step up our game in that fight. So, Dr. Carson, the Lincoln Day dinner is coming up on Saturday, April 8th, so it's a, it's a couple of weeks away, well, but a week and a half, I guess, away, we would call it, uh, a week from, from Saturday. So um, what's the message? We're in a obviously in a, in a presidential primary year now. Uh, there are a few a handful of candidates who have declared for the primary on the Republican side already. Not sure if the incumbent president of the United States is going to run again, but um, can you tell me what the talk is going to be about uh, at the Lincoln Day Dinner? Yeah, about the fact that we all have a sphere of influence and we need to use it in an appropriate way and that we, the American people, despite all that you hear and see in the media, we are not each other's enemies. And we have to stop allowing ourselves to be manipulated and marginalized if we're going to be able to pass on the greatest nation the world's ever known to our children and our grandchildren. And we have a responsibility to them. You think about all the sacrifices that have been made so that we could live in peace and freedom. Now it's our turn, and and we can't just be nonchalant. Such an important message, uh, and I know there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be very, very grateful to hear you deliver it. Uh, ben Carson uh, will be that keynote speaker again. It is in Wadsworth uh, at the Galaxy on April 8th, the Lincoln Day Dinner for Medina County. And Dr. Ben Carson, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your quiet, soft-spoken, steady leadership. It is something that is desperately needed right now among the shrill voices that are, uh, uh, you know, that are that are just polluting. I think our our airwaves and uh, and and our minds quite frankly so thank you for what you do and for how you do it sir well thank you we're going to get our country back thank you very much dr carson god bless i pray that pray that you're correct there's dr ben carson listen um i have been informed that 
you can go and see Dr. Ben Carson at that uh, at that Lincoln Day dinner for free. I've got a pair of tickets that I can give away. So I'm going to do that right now as we head into this timeout. And the fifth caller to dial 216-901-0945 will claim that pair of tickets to go and see Dr. Carson. If you don't win the tickets by being the fifth caller, uh, don't forget you can get them at medinagop.org, medinagop.org. Uh, there's a limited number of VIP meet and greet packages available too, but you have to act quickly at medinagop.org to see the brilliant Dr. Ben Carson and to listen to him share his wisdom. We'll be back. All right, 957 on Always Right Radio. We have a winner, caller number five, who claimed those tickets to go and see, uh, listen to uh, Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, and others uh, at the Lincoln Day Dinner in Medina County in Wadsworth is uh, Tom in Cleveland. Tom Marachka in Cleveland was our fifth caller. Congratulations. Don't forget, though, if you don't win the tickets, it doesn't mean you don't get to go, but get to medinagop.com, medinagop.com. This is going to be a sold out event. It's very close to it now. Uh, so you're going to have to get those tickets quickly. MedinaGOP.com to get your Lincoln Day dinner tickets there. So Dr. Carson and I obviously covered a bit of ground uh, on the issue of uh, Nashville, the shooting, and I want to talk to you about that next segment. I, I did clarify our schedule, which is a little bit up in the air as we started our show today. Jim Renacy is going to be joining us at 1035. So this next uh, half hour is open for you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I want to pick up on that same conversation about how it is that the media has managed to turn the trans community into the victims here, the ones who are living in fear right now of all of the hatred from the Christians and the Christians are now the perpetrators, even though it was a Christian school that got shot up, and three Christian children and workers, adults, uh, were all murdered, uh, how they managed to become the perpetrators, about how it is that Christians who pray for, for relief and for guidance and for comfort to God and offer the same prayers for those who suffer terribly in these things, we are the ones who are mocked. We are the ones who are derided. We are the ones who are, uh, you know, who are... Um, uh, made fun of. Uh, I, 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 I'm failing to understand it, but I want to understand it, and I want to talk to you about it. And the big question now is, going forward, when's the next one? Because the Trans Day of Vengeance is still scheduled. It's still scheduled. They are having the Trans Day of Vengeance March 31st through April 1st. What does that mean? I don't know. But if Monday was any indication, we have a lot to be concerned about. So we're going to talk about it together at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 on Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 
Hour number two underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock. Good Wednesday to you. Thanks for joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Phone lines are now open for you for the next uh, twenty minutes until we talk to Jim Renacy at the bottom of the hour at about nine thirty-five. So uh, this is a good time for you to hit the uh, hit the keypad two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers gets here. I, I you know I alluded to this a couple of times. Um, but I want to play it real quick. Um, this is the um, diversity hire known as Corrine Jean-Pierre. She's she's black and she's gay. Did you know that? She's the press secretary for Joe Biden. She's black and she's gay. We have to tell you that she's black and she's gay because that's how they introduced her. She's black and she's gay. It was the most important qualification she had. To say nothing of her actual experience, she's black and she's gay. They wanted us to know, so I repeat it every time we refer to her. So the black and gay diversity hire, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, uh, did an interview on MSNBC from the White House lawn yesterday morning talking about the terrible, horrific shooting in Nashville. And, uh, well, um, this is who she blames. What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? You want to hear it again? What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? What I will She blames Republicans in Congress, not the psychologically disturbed Audrey Hale, the 28-year-old 20, uh, woman who decided she was a, was a man, who decided she didn't like the fact that nobody guess waved enough pride flags for her to celebrate her being a man i don't know that's not who's to blame here it's republicans in congress what are you going to tell parents republicans in congress about this what are you going to tell the parents of those innocent children who were killed in nashville about this and what i want to know is why kareen jean pierre diversity hire why do Republicans have to say anything to the parents? Did a Republican shoot those children? No, no. Let's take a look at who shot those children. Audrey Hale was a member of the left-wing exclusive LGBTQXYZ123 community. She was a trans member of that community, so she represented the T, which is clearly the most radical of the uh, of the uh, letters in the LGBTQXYZ123 community. We know this because there are gays who are part of the LGB, the lesbian, gay, and bi, who are part of gays against groomers. They're against the trans community recruiting children to destroy their bodies, recruiting recruiting children and, and grooming them into wanting to change their genders. So the LGB are the good guys. The TQ, IAXYZ, and so on and so forth are the bad guys, at least in terms of trying to bring children into this equation where they have no business. So, Corrine Jean-Pierre, diversity hire. Uh, the shooter was a member of the left wing LGBTQ community, just like you are. And that LGBTQ community is made up almost exclusively of Democrats. Almost exclusively, which means 
you have far more in common with the shooter than Republicans do. So the real question shouldn't be... What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? The real question should be, Corrine Jean-Pierre, diversity hire. What are you going to say to those parents? Because their children were murdered by one of your own. A Democrat, an LGBTQ XYZ123 member, not Republicans. Why would Republicans have anything to say to the parents of those murdered children? Now, if you think I'm being unfair by saying, well, what do you mean, one of my own? If you think it's unfair for me to say, what are you going to say to those parents since you have a lot more in common with the shooter than Republicans do, well, then I would say you're right. It's probably unfair for me to say, what are you going to say to parents? You're right. It probably is. But it is far more fair than for you to say, what are Republicans going to say? Republicans didn't inspire this. Republicans didn't commit this. Republicans don't identify with this. You and your Democrat ilk, you do. Your party is the party of the LGBTQ. Let's 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 physically mutilate the body of children let's chemically castrate the bodies of children let's get them on hormone blockers let's let eight-year-olds decide the future of their lives because they're just so mature and ready to do so in that preformative stage right that's your party so if you want to put blood on the hands of somebody that in a, in a political party over the shootings of those children in nashville that's your decision but as soon as you make that decision, then we're going to bring the truth. And we're going, to, we're going to tell you where that blood really is, on whose hands it really is. The first hand is that of Audrey Hale, the 28-year-old uh, killer. And if you want to ascribe political motivations to it, yes, she's one of your own, not ours. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Um, let's go to Twinsburg. Agnes, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you for your patience. Go right ahead. Oh, hello. I just wanted to say that uh, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and we were having a reunion. This had to be over. Um, hey, hey, Agnes, let me interrupt you for a second. If you're on a speakerphone, can I ask you to pick that up? It's real hard to hear you. No, I'm not on a speakerphone. My phone has Bluetooth, and she said she could hear me fine. Okay, yeah, the Bluetooth and speakerphones don't do well with going over the broadcast airwaves, unfortunately, but we'll try. Go ahead. Okay, and um, we were having a reunion, and one of the girls, we were all brought her husband, who was now a woman, and there was no animosity. Everyone got along. She was welcome like one of the girls. So I don't know where anyone is coming from that says that Christianity is a cool thing for these people. And that's all I had to say. Thank you. Okay. okay, thank you, Agnes. I appreciate it. Unfortunately, I couldn't hear a whole lot at the, toward the end of that call, uh, but I do appreciate the point. And, and what we are talking about, those Christians and Christianity and what is being done here, I, I brought this up with uh, Dr. Carson, 
and and I, and I'll I'll build on it just a little bit here because it needs to be said the media is making a mockery of Christians and Christian values and Christian prayer smearing Christianity. I started to uh, uh, make that uh, have that conversation with Dr. Carson. Uh, let me share just some of this for you. Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, you may you may know, you should know, uh, uh, said people should still turn to prayer as a way to combat the spiritual battle that is raging for our country and our culture, which is targeting our targeting our children. What more is is what is more important to pray for than that? Completely agree. We must return to the only lasting source of hope and freedom for our children, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must stand uncompromisingly upon the truth of God's word, which is the source of hope and freedom. How can people denigrate that? How can people uh, be so callous and cold as to say that your prayers are useless, that the prayers are part of the problem? See, that's, that's the, that's the um, level to which this has been elevated, I'm sorry to say. That's the level to which this has been elevated. It was before, after a lot of these shootings, and we'd say, oh, my gosh, thoughts and prayers for the victims and the families, because we mean it. Prayers are necessary to help healing, absolutely to help healing. It went from mocking that and, and calling that useless to now saying prayers are part of the problem. This is what they've done, that the prayerful, the faithful, the righteous, the people that are asking God to intervene and asking God for comfort and for support and for healing, the people that are asking for that are the ones who are judging the radicals in that community, the, the trans community that are carrying out these acts. I read this to you yesterday, and I shared this list with you yesterday. In, in recent months, this isn't all of them, but just in recent months, Four mass shootings involving the trans community. Colorado Springs, non-binary, and that was shooting up a gay uh, a nightclub or hotspot, a non-binary. In other words, one of the LGBTQ community targeting their own. Denver, identified as trans. Aberdeen shooter, identified as trans. And the Nashville shooter identified herself as trans as well. They're saying that it's your prayers, that it's, our belief in, in, in God and in righteousness and family values and, dare I say, in God's creation. And what did God create? And I'm not preaching, okay? I am wholly unqualified to preach. I could never host a show on 1220. I don't have the chops for that. But I will tell you this, that blaming Righteous people for believing that God created man in his image. And by man, we mean mankind. That means men and women. If that is what makes us responsible for the sadness or the unacceptance, if you will, of people with either psychological disorders or social contagion, suffering from social contagions, then so be it. Because we're not going to change that to make them feel better. We're not going to say, we don't believe God just made two genders. We don't believe God just made men and women and did so in his image. We do believe that there are 57 different varieties, or 97, depending on who's making the argument here, different varieties of, 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 of people, of different genders, that sex isn't the same thing as gender. That That's what they want us to do. They want us to capitulate, to give in on what we believe are deeply, most deeply held uh, convictions. And it isn't, doesn't even have to be in religious 
terms. When I say God, I mean, there. this is one of the cases where science and religion marry one another. Science and religion agree here. Science says, biology says, chromosomes say, um, human physiology and anatomy say that there are just two. There are XX and XY. There are males and females, and that's it. And chewing up one of them to make them look like the other just doesn't work. Giving them what ultimately kind of could be regarded as poisons to try to stop their naturally growing and developing and maturing bodies from growing and developing and maturing, to say that that is a sin against God would be true, but to say that it would be a biological abomination would also be true. Religion and science, they go together here. They marry one another here. I had Chris Dore on the program yesterday, and he quoted somebody, and I still don't know who it was, so I stole the quote, and I put it on Facebook, and I'll share it again with you now. A diesel engine cannot be converted into a gasoline engine by slowly introducing gasoline into that engine. All it will do is destroy the engine, as it is with the human body. A male engine cannot be converted into a female engine by slowly adding testosterone or other hormones and hormone blockers that stop the production of female hormones and then just turn it into a woman. No, all it will do is destroy the engine. It'll destroy the body. And that's what we see time and time and time again. So if that's what it means, if that's what it means to blame us, to condemn us, to criticize us for daring to believe in both faith, believe in religion, believe in God, believe in the image of God as represented in man and woman, if that's what it means to say that we're, we're to blame, we're, we're at fault here, if that's what it means, then we'll own it. Go ahead. But in our heart of hearts, we know that it is not true. We are not the ones driving this. Those who are trying to recruit young, impressionable, preformative minds into this lifestyle and then getting mad when we push back against it. That is what is to blame for where we sit. I'll be right back. Always right on The Answer. 10.35, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us this morning. We're still trying to put the pieces together in that Nashville story, but we're going to take a break from it now and talk about Ohio politics in its purest form. Uh, we're talking about voting in the elections and whether or not what happened uh, this past, no, oh, actually this past May, uh, should have happened, uh, and that is, of course, open voting in Ohio's primaries. We know what happened. We talked about this in great detail. The Daily Beast was among left-wing uh, media outlets that openly encouraged Ohio Democrats to take Republican ballots in the open primary and vote for the most Democrat-like uh, Republicans because they knew they weren't going to be able to win. They knew no Democrat was going to be able to win in the gubernatorial race. They knew no Democrat was going to be able to win in the Senate race. And so they said, we would be a lot better off with people like Mike DeWine who's more like us as a governor, 
and we'd be better off with somebody like Matt Dolan, who's more like us as a senator, than with some of those actual conservatives who are running in those races. So cross over and screw up their election, screw up their primaries so that we can get what we want. It worked in one of the cases, it didn't in the other as J.D. Vance uh, won the Senate race, but now... The time has come, according to one of the primary, one of the principals, rather, in those uh, primaries, Jim Renacy, to close Ohio primary balloting. Uh, Jim Renacy, former gubernatorial candidate, a former congressman, former, former, former mayor of Wadsworth, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, sir. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. So I read with uh, great interest your op-ed, and I support it wholly and enthusiastically, and I am livid that there are so many Republicans who don't. There are Republicans, in fact, I've heard from one of them this morning as I just started talking about this, who absolutely love the open primary system. So why don't we start with, uh, give us the, the gist of your op-ed. Well, Bob, it's pretty simple. And, and look, Ohio already has laws in place that say if you're a Republican, you only vote in a Republican primary. If you're a Democrat, you only vote in a Democrat primary. But in 2010, actually in 2008, many people will remember that uh, a radio show host, national radio show host, uh, who was, was pushing for Republicans to cross over and vote for Hillary Clinton. And that was the start of it. In Ohio, there was a large... That was called Operation Chaos. Yeah, that was Rush, of course, the late Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh. Yeah, he called it Operation Chaos. Let's go over there to try to stop Obama. Let's let's try to vote in the the Democrat primaries for Hillary. You're 100% right. Go ahead. Absolutely. And he did that, and he was successful. And a tremendous amount of Republicans crossed over and voted for Hillary Clinton. And at that time, Jennifer Bruner was the secretary of state. And she said, we are going to enforce we're going to enforce the law. And we're going to start asking at the polls, are you a Republican or you're a Democrat? Because clearly and she got it right. If you're a Democrat, you should vote in Democrat primaries. And if you're a Republican, you should vote in Republican primaries. At that same time, uh, John Eustead was running for uh, election as secretary of state. And he came out and said, look. There is no way we should stop this. Uh, we should allow Democrats to cross over. It's going to build our party ranks because Democrats are going to leave the Republican Party. And then he won the election in 2010. And in 2011, uh, at that time, Secretary of State Eustead put out a uh, what, what they call a memorandum in the secretary's office that said, you cannot question anybody anymore at the primary location. Um, so since 2010, there's been no questioning, and there's been some uh, case law that's gone to the Supreme Court that says, well, you really can't question. But clearly, many states have said, we got to fix this. And in our surrounding states, Kentucky and Pennsylvania say, look, this should not be a political decision on day the day of the election. <laughs> this should be a conscious decision. And in, in Kentucky... By December 31st, you have to decide whether you want to be a Republican or Democrat. And if you're already a Republican, you don't have to do anything. And if you're already a Democrat, you don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. But if you want to change, you have to make that decision. Uh, Some states say you have to do it within 30 days in advance. And clearly, that makes it a conscious decision, not a decision on a primary. Now, Bob, let me tell you what really stirred this up. Not the primary, even though I believe the primary, there was a big crossover. I was actually with a Democrat um, uh, speaking with him, 
and we were talking about this subject, a very prominent Democrat up in Cleveland, and he said to me, Jim, I like the idea of being able to come over, especially in Ohio, and make decisions for Republicans because the Democrats don't have a bench. So I know the Democrats aren't going to win, so I'd like to actually cross over and make the decisions as to who won. And I thought about that and said, wait a minute, that is the problem. Democrats are making decisions for Republicans. So my op-ed basically says, let's enforce the law. Let's stop the rating of our primary system. Let's require people to make a decision either 30 days in advance or by December 31st, like a lot of other states are doing, and then we'll stop the crossover of votes. And look, in the primary, we now have documentation that 235 uh, Democrats, at minimum, 235,000 crossed over and voted. Now, we don't know who they voted for, but in most cases, you were right. They voted for Dolan or DeWine. Yeah. But that, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed. It was and, in left-wing media. Have... Like I said, they were being encouraged and kind of directed. Now, obviously, not everybody follows everything somebody says, but but if you do have that many crossovers, they didn't do it independent of the, some of those uh, pushes, those public pushes for these individuals. They didn't come over there because they really liked uh, a Republican conservative candidate. They came over to try to make sure somebody wins those Republican primaries that they can stomach if they can't have their own guy. Um, I, I, Congressman Renese, I want and by the way, we're going to talk about uh, the Lincoln Day dinner uh, that is coming up as well in a little over a week uh, in just a moment. But I want to go to this. Um, there's an op-ed in the Illyria Chronicle Telegram, which is uh, the paper that is uh, quote-unquote of record where I live, um, that essentially is saying that you wrote your op-ed in uh, opposition to open primaries because you lost, uh, blaming blaming the loss in the primary on open voting uh, in the primary. And here's what they said. Even if that hadn't happened, this wasn't the reason Renacy lost. He, Farmer Joe Blystone, and to a lesser extent, former State Rep Ron Hood, split the anti-incumbent vote, allowing DeWine to win a plurality. Um the article then goes on to quote Lorain County Republican Chairman David Arredondo as saying that Democrats who crossed over to vote for DeWine probably did so because they approved of his handling of the pandemic. Oh, they just actually liked him better than they did uh, the, the Democratic candidate, that they weren't coming over to cause chaos at all. Uh, and that uh, people like you are, are complaining because it's sour grapes that you didn't win your primary. How do you respond to those critics and uh, particularly uh, that particular Republican chair? Well, I've heard Aaron Dondo say this before. Aaron Dondo actually lost his race for uh, state central committee, I think, because of some of these views. But quite frankly, if he was correct, if he was correct, why are Republicans losing ground then? I mean, his argument is that, well, you know, Democrats are crossing over, and, and, and that's great because Republicans get the advantage of that. Now, I've actually posted some numbers I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to find. Uh, while we're talking, but if you look at the last 10 years or 20 years of elections since 2020, Republicans have lost ground. So if this has worked since 2010 when we did this, if this was working, how can we have less registered Republicans today? And how come in 2016 and 2020, we had a storm of additional Republicans registered in 2016 and 2020? Well, I'll tell you why. Independents liked Donald Trump. And probably Democrats like Donald Trump, and they did cross over, and they supported Donald Trump. So we went almost, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you can find it 
in, in much of my posting, uh, mm-hmm. is that we went from almost 3 million registered Republicans, and now we're back to 1.9 million registered Republicans in 2022. So clearly, anybody who says, oh, this is sour grapes, oh, this is, this is a way of stopping Republicans from crossover, just doesn't have the data, just does not have the data. The data is out there. It shows that we have, in the last uh, since 2010, especially, but in the last 20 years, Republicans are losing ground in Ohio. And every once in a while, they pop back up in 2016 and, tw- and, and 2020. We actually had a surge of registered Republicans, but we're all the way back down to 1.9 million Republicans uh, registered. And we were at 3 million. We were at 2 million. So we're at one of the lowest points right now, which shows you that not only did they cross over, but they cross back. And again, this is why that's I call important. it rating. It it goes is. Back that's and that's forth very important. I hope, forth. Congressman, that you are able to maybe write a follow up to that op ed part two and point those things out because, again, I've got people, I've been having an off air debate with uh, Chairman Arredondo uh, during my commercial breaks here, and he's pushing and bragging about uh, how successful this open primary system is and said, quote, Ohio is a center right state, not a far right one, and I'm about winning. And I had this debate with him because he was very much pro Mike DeWine, very much pro Bob Paducek, engineering those um, uh, those uh, endorsements and those funds to uh, uh, to a Mike DeWine before there was even an endorsement given. Uh, all of these things, and he is quote unquote, quote unquote all about winning. But as I said to him, Congressman, if we're winning by electing Republicans who govern like Democrats, what are we winning? You know, to Mike DeWine to me is just like the other the the twenty two in the Ohio State House uh, that completely split the massive supermajority that we had there. They're trans Dems, they're Republicans, but they identify as Democrats by their actions. So what's the point of of winning? If what we win by inviting Democrats to come over to pick our primary nominee uh, is for them to nominate somebody who's like them, who's like a Democrat. Well, you're exactly right. And look, um, Aaron Dondo is in a Democrat uh, county in many cases. He'll say that, that it's great that Democrats cross over. But the truth of it, it's not. Republicans should pick Republicans. Democrats should pick Democrats. I would take Aaron Dondo on head-to-head any time if he wants to challenge and talk about how Republicans are growing by allowing the system, the numbers just don't prove it. And he's just wrong. He's wrong. And by the way, I'll book that right now, by the way, before you finish your point, because uh, I know David is listening. That's why he started messaging me during the show. Uh, by all means, David uh, Arredondo, we'll have a three-way conversation in my studio, and we'll we'll talk about this for an hour if you want to have a head-to-head conversation with, uh, uh, with uh, Mr. Renacci. Go ahead, sir. No, I'd love to do that because clearly the numbers don't reflect it. Republicans are losing ground in Ohio. They continue to lose ground. And what we nearly need to do is let Republicans elect Republicans. I don't know why he would support. And by the way, there's not a Republican I talk to, which kind of tells you where David Arredondo sits. There's not a Republican I talk to that doesn't say, I agree, Republicans should only pick Republicans and Democrats should only pick Democrats. The problem is... You know, changing the system. I can tell you right now, Governor DeWine doesn't support this, a closed primary. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Eustad doesn't support this. I mean, this is what I'm hearing. Uh, Senate candidate Dolan doesn't support this. But clearly, if you want to win a Republican primary, get Republicans to vote for you. This isn't about sour grapes. Exactly. I may never run again in the future, but here's what I want. 
I want future candidates to have the opportunity to have their party select them, not the other party select them. Yeah, that's what this should be all about. Last thing on this before we talk about uh, Lincoln Day dinner is um, what are you hearing from uh, the state house, uh, either the state house or the state senate? Um, is there is there a movement for, for this? Will somebody make this uh, uh, proposal? And do you think that we, you know, obviously if we have the numbers, if all Republicans agree, the supermajority would be intact. But um, is there uh, is there an appetite for this? Is somebody planning on introducing it? There is a lot of support for it. We are um, talking to a lot of people. It's surprising from leadership all the way through. Um, most donors support it. Most of the Republicans support it. I will tell you the, the concern I have is that most this is an issue, uh, like any, controversial, mm-hmm. that most people don't want to bring to the table because they're afraid <laughs> in many cases it'll, it could hurt them. But I can tell you the staunch conservatives are all for it. Even the, uh, the, many of the moderates say the same thing. Yeah, Republicans should vote for Republicans. But in the end, and, and I'll tell you an interesting thing, uh, Frank LaRose, when he was in the Senate, actually put a bill out to support closed primaries. And he will tell you that uh, he, he had Republicans saying, well, no, I don't like that idea because I want um, Democrats to come to our party. And Democrats were saying, well, I don't like that idea because I like to come over and vote in the Republican Party. So they were saying the same thing, and he said he could not get support for it um, back when he was in the Senate. But he is supportive of it as well. Um, I do believe this is something we're going to continue to get traction on. It's one of the reasons why Aaron Dondo, if he's listening, probably wrote the op-ed. He probably received a call from Governor DeWine or someone and said, hey, you've got to counteract what Renacy's doing, because we are making good progress around the state and most Republicans, um, and, and I would say 99% of the ones I've talked to, said they support a, uh, uh, fixing our primary system and making sure we have a closed primary. The only caveat they also say is we also would like to have a runoff, which I think is interesting as well. And by the way, I'll add this I to your too. listeners. Anybody who says runoffs are too expensive, we paid $25 million last year, this state, to have an August primary, only to say we're never going to do it again, only to say now let's do it again in August. So it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I have to chuckle. when uh, Politicians only do what's best for politicians. So, um, you know, we were willing to spend that $25 million to have a second primary. Yeah. We, should be able to, we should be willing to spend that, that, that $25 million to have a runoff to make sure the Republican or Democrat with the most plurality of the votes, the, the more than 51 percent is, is our uh, party nominee. Yeah, and I would agree with both of those things. That I was, I would also agree to spend the twenty million for one this August specifically to uh, change that constitution uh, constitutional amendment threshold to sixty percent. Because what's going to happen in November is going to be devastating, absolutely devastating to families, parents, and kids and unborn babies if we do not do that. And Jason Stevens, the uh, uh, trans dem speaker of the House, uh, is completely opposed to that. So we have a we have a full court press to contact Jason Stevens and make him change his mind because this is a this is a disaster waiting to happen um so uh congressman renacy we got a big deal coming up april 8th 5 30 the galaxy your hometown of wadsworth uh it's the lincoln day dinner and i just talked an hour ago with dr ben carson that's a great get what can we expect well we're going to have a great great night and bob before i say anything i do, I do want to give you the numbers in 2000 we had 2.2 million registered republicans in 2022 we had 1.9 million 
So we've lost ground in the last 22 years with Republicans. But on April 8th, we're going to have Ben Carson. Uh, I know you had him on your program this morning. He is a great speaker and somebody who brings a, a, a quiet but solid message. He's coming to the galaxy. Uh, people can get their tickets at MedinaGOP.org. Uh, there's a VIP where you can meet him, take pictures with him in the dinner. It'll be a great event. We're selling out quick. We would love to have people uh, continue to uh, support uh, individuals like Ben Carson by coming to this event. And uh, hopefully your listeners will uh, buy a ticket and come listen to the great Ben Carson. Yeah, you know, he, he brings, uh, I think you started to say quiet, and I'll follow that up with quiet dignity to discussions that very few people can do. You know, it's usually the loud fire and brimstone style speakers, which I kind of am one, um, uh, which I'm not necessarily super proud of. It's just my style. Um, he, that, that, that command the attention of the room. He commands the attention of the room with a whisper. With, with, with just a very calm and understated, extraordinarily articulate and brilliant point that he makes time after time after time, and you cannot help but be enraptured by him. He's such a great speaker. I've been uh, in his audience a couple of different times, and I want to strongly encourage people um, to be there on April 8th because uh, listening to Dr. Carson speak is an experience, and I think it's going to be a great, uh, a great dinner. I would agree. And he did make a few comments this morning, which I think he'll make at the – um, at, at the dinner, we, we are losing ground. I actually posted something today, which is uh, amazing uh, in regards to uh, a recent poll. 30% believe children are not important anymore in a relationship. 38% pa- believe patriotism is not important anymore. 43% believe marriage, um, I'm sorry, 30% b- believe, only believe children are important. 38% believe patriotism is important. 43% believe marriage is important, and 19% are attending religious services compared to almost 60 and 70% 20 years ago. So that's what Dr. Carson talks about, the changing of our country and the changing of that, uh, really, um, the, the portrait of, of the American people. It's amazing, and uh, he'll be a great speaker to talk on it. Well, Congressman Jim Renacci, former gubernatorial candidate, uh, it's going to be a great event, uh, the Lincoln Day Dinner in Medina County. It's going to be at the Galaxy in Wadsworth one more time, April 8th, 5.30 p.m., and you can get your tickets at Medina County, or excuse me, MedinaGOP.org, MedinaGOP.org. A limited number of meet and greet with Dr. Carson and others are available, but you got to get them fast. This is almost sold out. you got to make that... Uh, decision today seriously get on medinagop.org and jim renacy thank you so much for coming on thanks for your uh, support uh of the idea of uh, of closing those primaries i will extend your invitation slash challenge to chairman arredondo and uh hopefully we can make some progress on this that would be great. I look forward to it. Thank you again, Bob. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right, there's Jim Renacci. And what I'm going to do now as I wrap up that conversation is the same thing I am told I am able to do, or that I did, rather, uh, after the uh, Ben Carson conversation. I've got one pair of tickets left to the MedinaGOP.org. Well, that's the website again, to the Lincoln Day Dinner. You buy your tickets at MedinaGOP.org is what I'm trying to say, laboring to say, or you win them by being caller number five right now to 216-901-0945. Caller number five, 216-901. 0945, and you can win a pair of tickets to go see Dr. Carson speak at the Lincoln Day Dinner in Wadsworth on April 8th. If you don't win them, 
you got to buy them at medinagop.org. It's a great investment. Dr. Carson's amazing. Medinagop.org. We'll be back. In this institution. This hour of all radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine minutes after 11 o'clock, and hour number three is underway. It's uh, my last hour of the week, by the way. I don't think I mentioned it too much this week already, but tomorrow you're going to be treated to the conservative stylings of my good friend Khalid Damar. Khalid is going to sit in for me tomorrow and take you through what I know will be a phenomenal show. And then at uh, on Friday, on the 31st, it will be Peter Kersenow back once again for the full three-hour program. So Kersenow on Friday, Khalid Damar tomorrow, and I know you're going to enjoy them. Uh, I've got some family things that I'll be taking care of, and uh, uh, I know I'm, I'm looking forward to those, and I know you can look forward to those great hosts. We always look forward to this, this guy. Our next guest is our regular Wednesday commentator on all things Ohio politics and beyond. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network. He is the co-host of uh, my podcast, or our podcast, uh, Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. And uh, he's also our state house reporter in Columbus for AM fourteen twenty the answer uh, AM fourteen twenty the answer and of course I speak of Jack Windsor who brings his crowd with him wherever he goes. Jack woke up this morning and typed "Good morning" into his uh, Facebook page, and one thousand seven hundred ninety four people <laughs> liked it. So. I don't know. I don't know what it takes to get that kind of power, but Jack has got the people eating out of his uh, of his uh, hands. Hey, Jack, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm great, Bob. Actually, what it was, it was this quote: "It's not free speech when you make only your speech acceptable." Uh, yeah, I'm blessed, man. I have yeah, a but lot you of do you get the same thing for corner. Good Morning Patriots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> which is which is awesome. No, I mean, you know what? You've got conservative listeners slash readers slash social media followers and so on and so forth all over the state who have great respect for what you do. It's one of the reasons why I'm proud to partner with you on Talking Smack uh, because you do. You bring a lot of common sense, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, of the conservative values that the people in this state respect. Uh, that's why you've got such a huge following, and I love it, and it's uh, it's phenomenal. So that's why we. But it's also why we bring you on here. It doesn't exactly hurt to have you on the radio either. So uh, Amen. congrats you, on that. Always an honor to be here. So, Jack, um, we, we didn't host our uh, podcast. We had some tech glitches this week. We were about to have uh, John Stover on to do our podcast with us, Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. And by the way, if you have not yet checked out Talking Smack, uh, you should do that. Just go to your uh, podcast provider, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and look for Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. 
little reminder, you got to put that in. Don't try to type in France or Windsor because it's not part of the name. Um, but John Stover of Ohio Value Voters was going to come on with us and talk about the importance of uh, pushing the speaker who stole the gavel, Jason Stevens, into, um, into uh, supporting and uh, 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 getting the August um, special election held so that we can indeed have a vote to amend the Ohio Constitution to require a 60% threshold instead of a 50% threshold to amend it going forward after that. This is extraordinarily important. And as you know, Jack Windsor, Jason Stevens, when asked about this, shot it down uh, and did so very passionately, saying it's going to cost $20 million, and we already decided we're not doing these things anymore. It uh, it might lead one to think that he's got a little stake in this, um, that maybe, just maybe, he's got something that he has to do in order to um, pay back somebody about something, if you follow my meaning, and I'm sure you do. I do. We wrote quite a bit about that in the article we published on bipartisanship or betrayal. Uh, There was a lot of speculation from state lawmakers who said Jason worked with Democrats on several things, and one of them was uh, to kill a resolution that would require a 60 percent approval to pass a a constitutional amendment. But uh, now Matt Huffman in the state Senate, they want to set a special election for August in order to put on the ballot that measure. Uh, that would protect Ohio's Constitution by requiring 60% approval to pass an amendment. The amount now, Bob, is only 50%, which, by the way, is all that's required to pass a law. Uh, constitutions are founding documents and should require more to be amended. But at the root of this is the abortion amendment that Jason Stevens let House, uh, the House basically um, stall on and allowed Democrats and and pro-death groups uh, a running start on a proposal that's now before the Ohio ballot board. And by the way, I think there is a lawsuit attempting to split that matter into two amendments or, you know, two considerations, which require twice as many signatures for these groups. But um, the language that they've submitted is really loose in structure. The wording would allow abortions for seemingly things like anxiety or pressure felt by the mother and allow her to abort up to the time of delivery. It would also codify protections for minors to transition uh, sexually and to have medical procedures like abortions without parental consent. And as you said, Jason Stevens doesn't want the special election. He now wants to follow the rules uh, based on a law that was passed at last General Assembly. And he said, uh, look, it's going to cost $20 million to hold a special election. It's going to cost time. Well, his counterpart, uh, the Senate president, Matt Huffman, said, well, that's a small price to protect 20 to 30,000 babies' lives. And so, Bob, you know, the question is, right, what good is it to have the whole world but not love? I think there's a scripture that says that. Um, We can save time. We can save money. We can focus on tax cuts, economic development, uh, parents' rights, so on and so forth. But if we don't love in our hearts life, lives of the unborn, what the hell is the point of all this? Jason Stevens needs to decide if this is about stuff or if it's about a higher call to love life and principles. And Ohio's watching, Bob. Yeah. Um, to be uh, specific, Jason Stevens' quote, uh, as uh, recorded by Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer, 
We just voted to not have those anymore, speaking of the special election in August. Just a few months ago, uh, and the county election officials I've talked to are not interested in having an election in August. This is a cost to the taxpayers. Again, now suddenly he's concerned about that. But as you pointed out, um, Jack, you know the, he didn't win the gavel <clears throat> excuse me, because of support of his own party. He did not win the or gavel. Or by following the rules. In the rep- or, or by following the rules. There you go. Uh, he did it by by getting the support of Democrats, who is behind this initiative, this ballot initiative to uh, embed abortion up to the ninth month and even maybe even past it. I don't know how radical they're going to get, um, but uh, into the Ohio Constitution, um, the Democrats, the Democrats support that. So there's very clear what you said is true, that this is one of the deals. This is one of the agreements that was made in order to get him the power and the other 21 trans Dems who got chairs uh, to very important committees or who got powerful seats and spots in those committees and so forth, um, you know, it is very obvious what Jason Stevens has done here. Now the question is, is, is he willing to walk back some of the damage that he did and uh, and say, okay, let's do this, let's support and get the uh, the August election scheduled, and we'll see whether Ohioans want to raise that threshold to 60% or not. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think he tweeted something very passionately on Friday of last week and said, basically, look, I am pro-life. I, I want to protect life. But I also want to follow the rules. Um, it doesn't appear that he's going to uh, switch positions on this. And if our reporting is accurate dating back to January, there's a reason. Um, you know, there's a power structure. There's money involved. And there are a lot of special interest groups who are the tail wagging the dog at the state house. And this appears, unfortunately, to be one of those issues. Yeah, it it really does, and um, and we'll see because you know we'll see what kind of political pressure can be put on him at this point in time. You know, you're right; it does appear uh, that he's not going to move on this, as he made that statement on Twitter and so forth. But um, but let's wait and see. You know, what kind of political pressure can be p- applied by I don't know a few million Ohio conservatives who support. Uh, life and who support also the other aspect of this that's going to be on that ballot initiative is the ability for uh, children to start switching uh, genders and go to transitions without parental involvement, um, which is a big part. Excuse me for a second, Jack. Stevens, state representative for the 93rd district covering Gallia, Jackson, Lawrence, and Benton counties. Sorry I'm unavailable. Please leave a message and we'll return your call as soon as possible. Thank you. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Yeah, hey, uh, Speaker Stevens, uh, Bob France here in Cleveland, Ohio, passed the 60% constitutional amendment resolution for a special election on August 8th. Thank you. All right, I just wanted to uh, make sure I got another one of those calls in. Jack, this is what Ohio Value Voters is doing. They want everybody to call the same number I just did and say the same thing I just did, 614-466-1366. Uh, it's that simple. You fill those lines up along with his inbox, jason.stevens at ohiohouse.gov. You fill those up with millions of Ohio pro-life messages, and maybe just maybe he'll, he'll get the idea that he either comes around and does what needs to be done here in August, or he is never going to win another election, and neither are any of the other 21 trans Dems that supported him. I think it's that important. It is. It is. You know, it's very sobering, though, to think about what happens between now and then. Um, If there is no action taken, how many lives are lost? Um, And and you hope that people have enough power and focus to undo anything that would be done here. But there's no guarantee, Bob. There are a lot of states in our union 
that have started to go down this road. And now there are people, even on the far left, who are shouting from the rooftops that, hey, this is a problem, particularly on this transgender thing, on, on, on kids being um, induced to transition. You know, our frontal, prefrontal cortex doesn't develop until we're 25 years old, but we're now equipping schools and, and powerful outfits to pressure these kids into doing things that they're not even qualified to think through. And there are parents who are even part of the LGBTQ plus movement who are saying, this is wrong. I'm for gay rights. I'm for lesbian rights. I'm not for allowing a kid to mutilate himself or herself without my consent or involvement. Uh, This is a whole new level of hell. Uh, very, very well said. Uh, Jack, let's pivot now to another important article uh, in uh, the Ohio Press Network right now. Uh, let's talk about the Ohio Parents' Bill of Rights. This is uh, House Bill number 8, known as the Parents' Bill of Rights. It's sponsored by DJ Swearingen and uh, Sarah Carruthers, one of the 22, by the by, uh, aiming to require school systems to give parents notice of sexually explicit materials and create a health care plan for students with their parents. Two questions. One, where does this sit in the le- legislative process what do you think its prospects are too uh do you know um what to expect from the governor if this does reach his desk yeah my understanding is that this is in uh the house committee and i want to say i know that it's at least had the um uh i want to say the first hearing which is traditionally the introduction right dj swearingen and sarah carruthers will stand before the, the committee and say hey this is what we're doing so that's where it's at. That happened on March 7th. I believe they're in the process of getting scheduled, um, you know, proponent and opponent testimony. Uh, I think that it will pass. Uh, a couple of components of the bill. Parents in this uh, instance would have the right to see materials that have uh, sexual connotation or are sexual in nature prior to them being dispensed to the kids. And they have the right to say, no, thank you. I need uh, substitute material for this. And this bill would um, allow for that. The other thing that this bill does is it makes sure that parents um, are not crowded out when there are mental, emotional, or physical health conversations that are going on in the school. And um, that if there is a plan to help the child, a medical plan, that parents are included. Now, um, I hope I don't go a little long here, but one of our readers said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Shouldn't schools stay out of the business, mental, emotional, and physical health aside from maybe telling parents and letting parents handle it and shouldn't that be between the patient or the patient of a minor child and a qualified provider now i did get to ask that question to dj swearingen he said good question i'm in meetings i'll answer it later um sarah carruthers said this quote many schools provide eye exams dental exams etc by qualified doctors and professionals we just think all parents should be notified if those services are available many can't afford those services so this is a good thing Also, if there is a professional who can spot a problem, they can suggest to the parents to get the child the help they need. It is strictly permissive, end quote. So those are the major components of the bill. Um, It still sits in committee, and I do think that the governor would have an appetite to uh, approve this if both chambers pass it. So... The follow-up to that is, as I noted, Sarah Carruthers and uh, uh, DJ Swearingen are two of the 22, the... uh, trans Dems um, who gave Democrats a say in the government and far more than their very, very small minority should entitle them. 
Do you think that the fact that they are part of the 22 might cause any of the 45 to say, no, we're not working with these people after what they did, even if it might be decent, strong, conservative legislation? Do you think there will be unanimity in the, uh, in the Republican caucus? Each of those 45 people are individuals, and so they are all prone to act and react in ways that maybe aren't uniform across the board. So I don't know. I can't answer that. But I, I will say that if I had to guess, I think – most of those 45, based on how and why they voted, would vote for the principle of the matter instead of, well, hey, it came from these guys, so we're not going to do it. If it's good for the gander, then we're going to vote for it. That would be my guess. Here's the problem you're going to have, though, <laughs> down the line. I think there are a lot of Ohio constituents who go, oh, wait a minute, Bob just said what I'm thinking. DJ and Sarah are part of that coup of 22. What's wrong with this bill? Uh, I think it, it causes people to pause and hesitate, which, frankly, by the way, is probably a good thing because it makes people dive into the innards of the bill and it creates robust public discussion, which is really what's needed to, to create meaningful public policy. I think that's well said. That is exactly right. If that makes more people look into this more carefully uh, and lets the uh, their representatives know how they feel about it uh, based on the, the depth that they've been able to study it, that's a good thing, uh, rather than just people saying, this person supports it, so I'm in, or this person opposes it, so I'm out. Make them look at it more closely. I think that's important. But I do think there might be still so many hard feelings among uh, the the. Uh, uh, 45 and the 22, that there may be a reluctance to work together even if the uh-huh. bill is uh, is a good one or an important one. So we'll have to wait and see where that goes. Jack Windsor brought us great analysis, as he always does. That's why he brings that crowd with him. All right, everybody, it's Jack Windsor. <laughs> oh, man. Give him your love. Coming he will in, gladly receive out, it. <laughs> Jack Windsor, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you, Bob. Thanks. You too. That's Jack Windsor. It's 1125 Always Right Radio. Right back. Heatandcool.com. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. much everybody for being a part of the program this morning thanks to uh jack windsor it's eleven thirty-four. uh terrific conversation uh, with jack windsor thanks also to jim renacy former congressman jim renacy and thanks also to dr benjamin carson uh if you missed that conversation in fact if you missed any of those three conversations i should say uh you should check them out uh, go to uh, whkradio.com about an hour after the show ends at around 1 o'clock or so, and it should be posted along with every show uh, so you can uh, listen to what you may miss. We've uh, we've had a few uh, shuffles, by the way, throughout the uh, uh, throughout the week due to some vacations, so we're catching up on some things. If you were looking for yesterday's show or Monday's show, it'll be up there as will today's program as well. So Dr. Carson was amazing. Just be, I guess... Let's use that in the present tense. Dr. Carson is amazing. <laughs> uh, he does such a tremendous job of commanding attention and simplifying that which is complicated. 
Uh, and he does it in such an understated way, in such a quiet and dignified way. It's really an amazing thing. If you haven't heard him speak live, you're going to want to. It's just different. You know, you listen to a Trump rally or you listen to a, you even me, uh, when I give speeches, you know, I'm very animated and very loud and I command attention by just being loud, I guess, because um, I can't do it the way Dr. Carson does it because, well, I don't have his intellect, I suppose. But he's able to convey all of that in such a quiet and dignified way. You cannot help but listen. You cannot help but be just grabbed by him. Uh, and you're going to want to be a part of that. So go to medinagop.org, medinagop.org for the Lincoln Day Dinner featuring Dr. Benjamin Carson on August, or excuse me, August, on April 8th, so a little over a week, on April 8th uh, in Wadsworth. You're going to want to be there for that. All right, I've got time for a few phone calls before the uh, uh, end of the program. We hand it over to Bill O'Reilly to take us to the top of the hour. 216-901-0945 is the number to join us. 888-281-1110. Uh, I've got Rick on the phone in Olmstead Falls right now who wants to commemorate an important day. Uh, Rick, thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to remind everyone that today is the 50th anniversary of uh, when the last combat troops were pulled out of Vietnam. And even though uh, for many of us vet- Vietnam vets, that, that war has never ended in our mind and in our hearts. But there's um, a Vietnam Remembrance Day every the last Saturday in June of every year in Olmsted Falls, at the Village of Green, which is on the corner of Water Street and Columbia at 530. And uh, it's just uh, a nice event with music, food, uh, a couple speeches out there, uh, color guard, all, all the, the right things. And it's just a nice way for Vietnam veterans to uh, get together, maybe talk about some things, and for uh, children, grandchildren, during the speech to hear what their relative may have gone through and has never spoken of. Yeah, I'm so glad you called uh, just to remind me of this, being National Vietnam War Veterans Day, uh, you know, March 29th. Uh, This was signed into uh, uh, law by President Trump in 2017, if if my information is accurate, um, that every March 29th would be, as you say, Vietnam War Veterans Day because it's uh, because of the anniversary of the last... uh, uh, soldiers leaving. Um, I think it's great. I think it's a phenomenal thing that you're holding this event. Now, can you tell me why it is in the uh, last Saturday of June? Well, rather, you know, because the Vietnam vets are kind of old and our memory's not really that great. <laughs> but to remember certain dates or things like that, uh, we decided, the committee, the mayor, and uh, myself, we decided that that way we never have to change a sign that we post out there. It'll we'll always say the last Saturday in June. Okay. And whatever date that falls on, but that way, when we do post the signs out there throughout the town, uh, it will always say last Saturday in June, five thirty. So That's... we just kind of keep it very simple to to remember. Yeah, and that is good, and uh, uh, you know that makes sense. Everything that you just said. Now, uh, where where can people who don't see that sign get information? If people aren't listening right now, well, uh, where, probably, where can I send them? They'll probably be posting it uh, shortly on. Um, the Olmsted Falls City website, I would imagine. I'm okay. not sure the date, exact date on that. Um, okay. I've ha- I got it. I post it all the time on my Facebook page. 
Um, but I'm not about that. It, it's, um, well, I'll tell you what. Here's here's what you can do to help me, and that's to help other people who want to come and, uh, and help uh, commemorate on that day. Um, I'm going to put you on hold here when we're done rather than hang up uh, and give okay. your information to Marianne. Or rather, uh, either give the information to Marianne or get uh, an email address from Marianne so you can send it to us so that if people ask us, hey, when is that event, we'll be able to share that information with them. Cause I'm I sure would really appreciate that because yeah. they, they yeah. have to be honored and remembered because um, – they're 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 dying off, and they never really truly got the respect that they so rightly deserved when they were asked to serve this country and perform duties that many people will never ever know what we did over there. You know, um, since you brought it up, Rick, um, why do you think it is that still is the case even after all of these decades of people learning more? and educating themselves about what went on over there and about what, what brought you guys there and what decisions that were made that were not your decisions as troops who just did their jobs, who were, who were either drafted or they enlisted to, to follow the, the orders of, of their commanders to try to stop communism, to try to stop that, that, that horrible spread. I mean, I know that when you immediately came home, what, how things went. I know it from history, of course. I was a, a, I was a child. Uh, but looking back, I know what happened then, and I know as years and decades have gone by, so much more respect is given to Vietnam veterans, but there are still many who don't understand. Why do you think that is? I mean, I know it wasn't a popular war, for obvious reasons, no, but no neither was the Iraq neither were, neither was the Iraq War in two thousand three right. largely, and no you know they blamed the, the the president they blamed the commanders they blamed a lot of people they didn't blame the troops the troops came home as still heroes for fighting, uh you know the the war that they were told to go fight so why do you think that well, is still the case and, for Vietnam? And Bob, I think a lot of that the the way that they were welcomed back was because of what the Vietnam veterans went through and how they got. Um, I'm I think that's to think true. Of the best word treated. Yeah, and yeah. Um, they didn't want to do um, that again. No, and you know what? Um, it, it's such a small, small percentage of of this population in the United States, probably less than two percent, that actually go and serve and raise their right hand and take that oath. And when they do, you know, there there's a few of them like myself that that will see combat, will get wounded will be um, acknowledged for certain things that we've done. And I could care less about Silver Star, Purple Heart, CIB, any of that stuff. But, but the thing of it is, what, they, what anybody that enters the military really gives up, they give up being there for when their, their child might have their first hit in a Little League game. Yep. They, they don't get to see their, their daughter maybe uh, go to be dressed for the prom pictures because they're off serving their They country. might not even be able to see their children being born if they're deployed, you know, while their wife is pregnant. You know, they're gone. That's, and, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. when I was there, the the only uh, contact we had being out in the bush and that was um, you get letters, which were usually a week late. And, Bob, let me tell you an interesting thing here for just a second. When we sent our mail well, We're back a little short on time, so, uh, okay, uh, just so you know, Rick. Yeah, let's try to make sure we get it in. Go ahead. When we sent our mail back to the world, we had our mail was free to send back, okay? So we had to put our, our number on there, whether you U.S. or R.A., drafted or enlisted. Mm-hmm. And then everything was changed to your Social Security number. So our Social Security number was on every envelope of anybody that sent mail from Vietnam to anywhere. Our Social Security 
number was on there and how the world has changed from then till now. Wow. Yeah, you're right. That's a great, wow. I never, ever would have considered that aspect. Of course, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was the case about the uh, social security numbers being on your mail. Uh, but that is a very, very good point, considering where we are now. Uh, well, listen, Rick, I'm glad you called. Uh, for those who did not know, March 29th, again, it was uh, made a holiday by President Trump or signed by President Trump just uh, about five years, or six years ago in 2017. Yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of the 50th combat anniversary of this year, off. yeah. So it's a huge deal. So, uh, Rick, uh, again, hang on. Don't hang up. Uh, get the information to uh, uh, to Marianne, and we'll be able to share that with anybody who wants to know what's coming up and when that's coming up uh, in June, okay? Thanks for taking the call, Bob. Thank you. God bless you. Appreciate you making it. Thank yeah, you. God bless thank all you. of our soldiers. God bless all thank of those you. who... And thank you for the call. Uh, whether you're Vietnam veterans or any veterans, obviously you have our deepest respect, but yeah, it's still more of an issue for the uh, for the Vietnam War veterans. It's just, it's just different. Uh, March 29th, a fitting choice. It was chosen because this is uh, the day, March 29th, 1973, Vietnam was disestablished. Also, the last day U.S. combat troops departed Vietnam. So thanks to him. Thanks to all of them. Thanks to my guests. Thanks to Josh running our show, Marianne running our phones, Marcy running everything. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Be well, be safe, and stay free. It's not easy these days. Khalid Namar sits in for me tomorrow. Peter Kersenow on Friday. I'll talk to you again on Monday. God bless. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 